You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, what? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by Cavaliers beat reporter for our site at Cleveland.com, Chris Fedor. And I do apologize. Uh, Last week, we were not able to record a podcast, had a little bit of a personal emergency that I am um, thankful is getting better. But um, certainly, we are happy to be back and talking to you folks and talking to each other about the Cleveland Cavaliers, who over the last week have undergone some ups and downs. Obviously, we talked a little bit about the um, wins over Brooklyn and the way that Colin Sexton's been playing. Um, currently, the Cavs are 10 and 11 and a win last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves. So before we get going, Chris, just want to check in with you. How are you doing? I know that there's been a lot of travel, um, so I hope you're uh, a little bit caught up on sleep and whatnot. Uh, I don't think yet, man. <laughs> no. I'm still getting there. The back-to-backs are tough, right? The four yeah, games sure. and five nights are tough, and the five and seven are really, really tough. It's funny because um, there are a lot of perks to traveling, Hayden, as you sure. know, and, and I love it, and, and I think it gives readers more uh, insight into what I'm seeing actually yep. by being there as opposed to watching it on TV. And I feel like my focus level is ramped up when I'm actually there and I'm not at home and distracted and things along those lines. So... I still believe there's a huge benefit to me being on the road, but this year's schedule with it being so compact and trying to fit 72 games in and the tightness of everything, it's it's exhausting. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was gassed yesterday. I couldn't believe that they played again yesterday because I had gotten home from Minneapolis probably around like 1.30 or something like that, and I just passed out. Um, I didn't eat lunch. It was tough, but... Um, this this stretch coming up, the Cavs always knew, Hayden, that it was going to be probably the most difficult in the quote-unquote first half of the season. Uh, look at some of these teams that they're playing coming up here. Los Angeles Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks. February is just a brute. And they've got the big road trip coming up, which isn't going to be easy against some really, really good Western Conference teams and then Golden State, so... Uh, they knew yeah. this coming in, that this was going to be a big, big test once they got into February, and here it is. Yeah, certainly. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we are recording this on Tuesday. So Wednesday night, they're taking on the Clippers at home. Friday, they got Milwaukee at home. Saturday, they got Milwaukee at home again. So that's three tough games. And then they go on a long West Coast road trip. Uh, they'll be heading to Phoenix, to Denver on my birthday next week. Um mm-hmm. 
Friday will be Portland at Portland and then at Al- at the Clippers again and then uh, at Golden State on a back-to-back. So just a brutal stretch there uh, for the Cavaliers on the road. And then they return home to play San Antonio and Oklahoma City. So <laughs> it's, it's just a lot in a little bit of time. And yeah. certainly it's going to be a tough month. But I think the good news right now is that they've done enough to tread above water, to stay you know, stay afloat. I mean, obviously, they would have loved to have had the game against either the Knicks or the Timberwolves, and we can get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're 10 and 11. I mean, they're certainly much, much improved upon what we thought they were going to be at this point. Um, and, you know, they've, they've gotten themselves in good habits, but the last couple of day, games, um, as you mentioned, not so good habits in terms of um, turning the ball over, stuff like that. So I think this is where we are when it comes to the Cavs. And and I think the most fair way to analyze it is this. Um, there is no one singular result, whether it's beating Brooklyn or getting bombed by Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's beating or hanging in there against the Los Angeles Lakers or losing somehow to Minnesota in Minneapolis in a game that the Cavs were winning by 12 at one point in the first half against a team that had lost 14 of their previous 16. So, like, if that's how people are looking at it, I think you're you're being unfair to the Cavs and the position that they're in. The truth is this is a process. And I know fans don't want to hear that, and I know that some other members of the media poo-poo that and say, how long is this process going to be? Whatever. And it's hard for the the players, too, right? And it's hard for head coach J.B. Bickerstaff as well. But that's the reality. This is year three of the post-LeBron era. Um, the Cavs are still building this roster, trying to figure out how to make the pieces fit. Uh, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, year two, year three, respectively. They're starting so much youth. When it comes to Isaac Okoro, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. So this team is going to go through growing pains, Hayden. Every team in the NBA does. Every team in the NBA has bad nights and they lose games that they're not supposed to. Um, It doesn't mean that it's a setback in the big picture. You know what I mean? It just means it's a bad night. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to look at it that way when it comes to the Cavs. And the big picture here is that despite missing... Um, So many key guys for a big portion of the season, despite having the second most missed games of any team in the NBA, not named Orlando, um, and despite having a very difficult schedule um, at at this point of the season, the Cavs are hovering around the 500 mark and they're currently in the playoff mix. And there are a lot of things to be hopeful about in the future. And, And none of that changes because the Cavs lost to New York and Minnesota on the road. Certainly, certainly. I mean, there's still a lot, a lot of season left, and they've been through a lot already, and they've had guys out, and um, you know, it's it's just been a, a it's been a good season in many ways, and it's been a difficult season in many ways, as you mentioned. And this stretch of games coming up is certainly going to um, be difficult in different ways. It could be it's going to be difficult based on you know just the talent level they're playing against, and maybe some of the guys that they'll have out or have back. Um, it'll be interesting in that regard. But specifically to last night, we can get into this a little bit because last night, Cavaliers without Larry Nance Jr., Cavaliers without Andre Drummond, Cavaliers without Kevin Love. Last night, we got a first look at Jared Allen, and we haven't, we've talked a little bit about Jared Allen over the past couple podcasts. But last night was our first look at Jared Allen as a starter. 
And obviously there's talk about, you know, about we've talked a lot about trading Andre Drummond. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about um, what he, you know, what the future is for him. And last night was a great glimpse into the future of what um, Jared Allen could be with this Cavaliers team. Ended up with 23 points, 18 rebounds last night in his first start for Cleveland. Um, on the, on the base, on the first glance, Chris, I mean, the, it looks great for the future. I, just from from what I can see. I mean, of course, if 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 you think about um, what Jared Allen brings to the table alongside those guys, it just fits. And this is no knock on Andre Drummond, who has been really really important for the Cavs. Um, he is a big reason why they are where they are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the competitiveness of this team increased the minute that he arrived from the Detroit Pistons last February. And that also coincided with J.B. Bickerstaff taking over um, for John Beeline. So there was certainly some crossover there, Hayden. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think we can look at what, what Jared Allen did um, as a starter, getting starters minutes, playing alongside Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and then all of a sudden throw Andre Drummond to the side like he doesn't matter. Um, the truth is they're just different. You know what I mean? They're not the same kinds of players. They're not successful in the same kinds of ways. And because of that, the Cavs felt all along that Jared Allen was going to be a better fit with their young team. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. He's fine being an elite screener not needing post-up opportunities and face-up opportunities. So he makes Darius Garland and Colin Sexton better because he creates space for them, vertical spacing, even though he's not a great three-point shooter. Um, He gets them open more because his screens are as menacing as anybody not named Rudy Gobert in the NBA. He's more of a lob threat than Andre Drummond. And defensively, while Dre probably has more of a reputation as a defensive player of the year type for this group, for what they need behind uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, a smaller than usual backcourt, I think Jared Allen is a better fit there and he protects those guys in a better kind of way. So yes, it did look good. Um, I think it's always going to look good because they complement each other really, really well. And because the individual success can carry over into team success. Um, but that doesn't mean that the Cavs have no use for Andre Drummond. Certainly, Andre Drummond, a big, big part of the Cavaliers. And I, I, I apologize for digressing a little bit here. But I'm just, I, th- this is what makes the podcast fun and this format fun. I'm, I, I, we, I don't know if any of you use Teams for anything, but I'm, we use Microsoft Teams to record this podcast. And I'm looking at, and on the side, the transcript. And Chris, like, Chris <laughs> knows very well that our, that our, um, that our, a lot of, of uh, his job, especially, not so much mine, but a lot of his job is based on transcription of quotes. Yeah. And I'm just, I was just, you know, just as you were talking, looking at exactly what you were saying and then how it translated to the transcript. <laughs> and it is perfect. Really? It is perfect. Look, man. You might have to say. You, might, you, you might have to use sorry, I don't I, I apologize for this quick transgression, but like you have to use this. It's perfect. <laughs> That's you awesome. Now I want to look at it. I I will send it to you after we're all said and done because it is awesome. 
All right. I also have to give myself credit. My radio background means that I'm probably better at enunciating things than other people that Microsoft Teams is used to. That's maybe true. Possibly. Great point. I will give you credit for that as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely. Okay. So with Andre Drummond, obviously, you know, we've talked about trade. There was some. There, there have been some. Um, some. I, I think you used the word chatter about yeah. obviously about the trade, but there's also been chatter about a buyout for Andre Drummond. Now, I don't know if if chatter is the right word. I would say more like I don't know, rampant, unsubstantiated rumor. <laughs> But I mean, but obviously, I just I don't see that happening at all. I don't either, Hayden. It doesn't make any sense. No. So this is the thing that I always say when 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 rumors start floating out there, and some of the most uh, most asked questions that I receive are about reports that I have nothing to do with, <laughs> and. Yeah. And it really frustrates me, and I get it. I understand why people want to know and why they want to run it by me, um, especially some of my subtexters. Yeah. But but my policy is starting to become, look, if it's not me reporting it, I'm not going to comment on somebody else's reporting. I don't know who they talk to. I don't know where it's originating from. I have so many things on my plate. Um that is very, very hard to also keep track of what other people are doing. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm not trying to say I'm like the busiest guy in the world, but it's just like I can't I can't use so much of my time on that kind of stuff. If I feel like there are legs to it, yeah, I mean, I'll look in um, with my sources on, on some of those quote-unquote reports or some of those quote-unquote rumors. Um but, but it has to pass the logic test first. So the thing that I would say is anytime you have something like this come out there, there are two questions that I think people should be asking, especially if it's related to the Cavs. Uh, the first one is why would the Cavs do it? So think about that. From the standpoint of Andre Drummond, why would they buy him out? Can you answer that? I cannot. Neither can I. I mean, the only thing that you could even come up with is that it would allow Jared Allen to get starters minutes consistently. We know this. We know this. Jared Allen is a starting caliber center in the NBA. Yes. Andre Drummond is also a starting caliber center in the NBA. So the Cavs have two of those guys, um, and they can't give them both those kinds of minutes. But it's not like Jared Allen is playing significantly fewer minutes than Andre Drummond. I think the difference is like four or five minutes a night, something along those lines. So it's not getting to a point yet, Hayden, where it's um, either preventing Jared Allen from getting comfortable with his new teammates, or it's impacting the way that the Cavs are performing on the court, or it's ruffling some feathers behind the scenes and it's creating a toxic environment where you just need to get rid of the guy. You know, Drummond's not a headache. Um, he's not a bad teammate. Yes, sometimes he takes ill-advised shots. Yes, <laughs> his shooting percentage is lower than people would want. Yes, he commands a lot of possessions. Yes, his usage rate is too high. Um, but none of those things are to a point where you say, okay, we need to get rid of this guy immediately. We're going to work out a buyout. Um, the Cavs want to get something for Andre Drummond. 
they they want to see what kind of value he's going to have um, in this trade market. And if they can get something in return for him, then sure, they'll explore trading him and they'll probably do it. Um, but I also wouldn't rule out them pushing for a playoff spot, um, finishing the end of the season, having fun along the way, um, and then just moving on from him this offseason in free agency. I, I just think of, of all the options in front of the Cavs here, the one that makes the least amount of sense for a team that is currently seventh in the Eastern Conference playoff picture um, and has played really good basketball to this point, um, considering everybody left them for dead coming into this season, the, the thing that doesn't make any sense in this equation is buying out Andre Drummond. I don't know how that benefits the Caps. Speaking of buying out, <laughs> there's another. Oh no! There's another tweet. Oh there's no! Another rumor out there, um, in regards to the buyout. <laughs> and uh, I do want to say first and foremost, congratulations to this uh, this fellow. Um, got engaged this week, I believe, to his longtime girlfriend. I believe it was on her birthday. Pretty sure. Might have been on our birthday. Anyways, it was um, about. Speaking how of, about this? It was. It was about a year, a year to the day, since I had a conversation in the locker room with Kevin Love about when he was going to pop the question. There how about go. that? So because you put him it in and his I, head. <laughs> I don't think I put it in his head. I'm sure he was already considering it. But that was something that I thought about because we were in Minnesota um, about a year ago at the same time. Uh, the Cavs had played, I think, Minnesota and then Toronto or something along those lines. So it was about a year earlier than that. And him and I were just talking about vacation spots. And he was telling me that I needed to check out Vancouver and things along those lines. And I was like, you know, how long have you been with Kate? And we were talking about that, going back and forth. And then um, the conversation about um, him proposing eventually uh, came up and he was saying that he was considering it, da 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 had to be the right time, had to be the right place, had to be the right ring, and all those kinds of things. So I'm happy for him, because it was something, obviously, that he had been considering for a little while. Yeah, certainly, absolutely. And again, they seem like kindred spirits, and I'm wishing them the best of luck, and I'm sure it'll be a wedding for the ages whenever, when it, when it is a... that ring? Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. He, he, um, he went and got a jeweler from London. To help him create that. There you go. Like a special jeweler from London. <laughs> Chris, when you're Kevin Love, you can do that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I bounced around to all the different jewelry stores in the area. And I, uh, I found the one that I thought was best. Uh, not like I have Neil Lane on speed dial or anything along no. those lines. No, yeah. See, when you're Chris Fedor, you can do good things and you can do great things and you can, you know, go to everywhere in Northeast Ohio. But London might be a little, <laughs> might might be a little, be a little too far. I don't know if I have that kind of pull. Exactly. But nevertheless, definitely congratulations to Kevin and Kate um, and the best. It's just such I mean, just Kevin and Kate. It's so perfect. Um, but anyway, the best to them. I'm sure it'll be an amazing wedding and um, you know, best of luck for a beautiful future between the two of them. Um, but there was a rumor before that about um, Kevin Love potentially being bought out by the Cavaliers. And again, excuse me, uh, there was very little reasoning in my mind behind that 
uh, report. I don't know where it came from. It was quite a roller coaster because shortly after that report, it was the, the same person who released that report um, said that he talked to another source that denied his own report. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's that. Um, it doesn't make any sense. Like, here, a buyout, <laughs> this is the thing that I, I don't know if enough people understand. A buyout is an agreement between the player, the player's agent, and the organization um, to take what's remaining on his salary and then coming to some kind of financial package that is going to work for both sides. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's in layman's terms, that's how a buyout works. Um, which if if we're doing it with Andre Drummond, it obviously makes more sense because he's in the final year of his contract and he's not owed as much money. In saying that, Hayden, Drummond makes $28.7 million this year. Mm -hmm. So whatever is left on that contract, when you do the math on that, uh, somebody else can do that, not me. Not me either. <laughs> he would have to give a certain chunk of that back to the Cavs to get freedom and, and have an opportunity to be a free agent and then join the Brooklyn Nets, just sign with them, right? Like, that would be a substantial amount of money that he would have to give back, I would think, in order to get that kind of buyout, in order for the Cavs to say, all right, you've been one of our best players, but um, we're going to do you a favor and allow you to join the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. And if we're doing it with Kevin Love, <laughs> he's got two more years after this year on his contract for about $60 million. Correct. A guy with that kind of salary attached to him for the next couple of years has ever gotten a buyout. Don't make no sense. Was he going to give back $70 million of that contract? Absolutely not. He just spent seventy million on a ring. <laughs> he just spent seventy million on a ring. He can't give that back now. <laughs> like, like that absolutely did not pass the logic test from the very beginning. No. And a reporter has to understand that. Like, yes, Brooklyn would love for the Cavs to buy out Kevin Love and have a chance to get a player that they can't trade for. Right. Or that they just can't sign with whatever exception that they were just granted by the NBA. Of course, Brooklyn would love for the Cavs to buy out Andre Drummond because they have no flexibility to do anything. And their roster needs help. Even after adding James Harden to Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, the roster still needs a boost. They could use an interior presence. They could use some more depth. They're playing dudes uh, that I've never heard of. And so, yeah. Brooklyn would love to get any one of these kinds of guys, but again, it has to make sense for both sides. And, and Brooklyn's not involved in the whole make sense for them because it doesn't matter what Brooklyn wants. It doesn't matter what Brooklyn needs. Uh, this would be a negotiation between the Cavs, Andre Drummond and his agent, the Cavs, Kevin Love and his agent. And I just don't think there's enough um, 
logic behind either decision to even bother um, giving it that much more time. No, certainly we don't have to give it any more time, but Brooklyn would love, I mean, the, the Cavaliers do have everything that Brooklyn wants. They have size. They have size yes. and athleticism. I mean, they have, and, and Brooklyn gave Cleveland size and athleticism. I know. And youth. I mean, they gave them Jared Allen. I mean, Ironically. that's the, the perfect piece. I know. That's exactly right. So, so Colby Altman, give him a round of applause for taking exactly what Brooklyn needed and bringing it to Cleveland because Cleveland needed it as well. And now Cleveland has an embarrassment of riches with Kevin Love, or with, excuse me, with Andre Drummond, with JaVale McGee, with Jared Allen, with right. uh, Kevin Love, with Larry Nance Jr. I mean, maybe Kevin Love is a different player than those guys, but still, I mean, they have an ab- abundance. So if the Brooklyn wants any of those guys, Kobe's going to have to say, all right, well, what are you going to, you know, it's going to have to be another fleecing. Right. And what is Brooklyn going to offer at this point in time? Exactly. If, if we're talking about a trade for Andre Drummond, which is the kind of guy that they need, obviously, or a trade for Kevin Love, Brooklyn is going to have to find $28 plus million in salary to match. So they're going to have to send that out. Um, Joe Harris makes $16 million, but he is so important to their success, Hayden. They need that kind of sniper outside shooter surrounding their big three. So, I mean, I guess if they got desperate enough, um, once the restriction expires on Joe Harris's contract that he signed this offseason, which would be early March, then he can be included in a trade. But but I can't imagine them wanting to give up such a big piece. Like, he's important to them winning a championship. So he would probably, I think, be off limits. Same with Kyrie. Same with KD. Same I was about with to say, maybe they, could wait, maybe they could wait for Kyrie to get upset. It <laughs> <laughs> so so won't talk- be long. So now you're talking about DeAndre Jordan, who makes $10 million, um, who is very, very close to both Kyrie and KD. So that's probably not going to happen. The only other person that's even close in terms of money is Spencer Dinwiddie, who's injured, $11.4 million. So... Any decision that Brooklyn would want to make in any kind of trade for for Kevin Love or Andre Drummond, if they want to go that route, it would have to start with Spencer Dinwiddie at $11.4 million. You're still $17 million short. Okay, so now you add Landry Shamit. There's two. Now you're $15 million short. Like, were you going to give up seven players for one or two? Uh, the other option, of course, is you can bring in a third team or a fourth team, but that gets really, really complicated. So, like, not only does they've logic, already done that once. yes, they have, and they're running out of assets to attach in order to bring these extra teams into an equation to to make these bigger type deals. So, not only as we've talked about, does the logic make um, little sense from a Cavs standpoint to just like move on from either one of these guys who can be helpful to them for nothing. Um, the math doesn't really add up for Brooklyn taking on one of these kinds of guys. For Brooklyn, what they have to do is make these smaller trades. You know, JaVale McGee makes a lot more sense for Brooklyn because they only have to get to like $4 million in salary that goes out. Yeah. Um, so maybe Kevin Love does get traded. Maybe Andre Drummond does get traded. But but Brooklyn doesn't seem like a match from that standpoint. Dallas could, Boston could, um, trying to think, Charlotte could, 
Um, those are some teams that stand out as a potential match in that kind of big salary swap. Toronto is another team that could make sense. Maybe Washington. Um, you have to have big salaries to send out. And, and Brooklyn's biggest salaries are the most important players on the roster. Right. No, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Again, reports, reports, and as, as you said, you got to you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt, especially when it doesn't you know pass the vibe test or pass the um, pass the what was the what was the word that you used the, the logic test the logic test. Thank you. Yes, it's perfect. Um, and you're right. So I I will definitely be I, you know I imagine that we'll be talking about a potential Andre Drummond trade up until the deadline and. Um, and probably a Kevin Love trade up until the deadline, too. I mean, you know, that's just how it's going to go. So with Drummond, he's been playing and he's been, I mean, you know, we can all, <laughs> we, he has been important. Uh, Cavs fans, a little, a little bit souring on him lately just because of some of the, you know, some of the, the usage, as you mentioned, and the, you know, the unfit shots and, and dribbling a little bit too much here and there. Um, but Kevin Love has not seen the floor. And um, I'm assuming that he's getting ready to make a return in the next couple of weeks. I was told at the end of last week, Hayden, that um, some kind of status update on Kevin was going to come at some point this week. Okay. Um, it's obviously a little bit beyond the one month mark. I think when it comes to injuries, it's always important when it comes to wording. The Cavs said from the very beginning that it was at least three to four weeks. So they yeah. kind of gave themselves some wiggle room and they understand that this is the kind of injury that does take time to recover from. And if you rush it when it comes to a calf, then you can have bigger problems, including the Achilles. So because it's the second time for Kevin with an injury similar, um, you know, he injured it initially in, in the preseason opener and then he re-aggravated it in, in the second game that he played this year, the third overall for the Cavs. Because of that, I think the Cavs were always going to take a cautious approach, especially with Kevin on the wrong side of 30, just because he's jumping up and down on the sidelines and celebrating big plays and stuff. Doesn't mean he's basketball ready. Doesn't mean his body and his calf will allow him to make the same kinds of basketball type movements um, and be as effective as he would want to be. Um, so the Cavs, would love to have him back. Um, Kevin is itching to get back. He's a competitor. He wants to play. You can see it on the sidelines. But from the very beginning, they said at least three to four weeks. We're past the four-week mark. I had been talking on this podcast with you a number of different times about we weren't going to see him until February. Mm -hmm. Here it is, February. Um, Second, yeah. He, he was part of the road trip over the weekend so he could continue his rehab. I think he's probably going to get reevaluated at some point um, during this homestand before the Cavs leave for the West Coast. And I think in a perfect world, they would have him for that West Coast road trip. Um, but again, it all depends on what the docs say and, and what the Cavs feel is best, not just for them, but for Kevin as well. Absolutely. Kevin Love, obviously a big part of what the Cavaliers still were looking forward to this season. Still, still, by the way, like a lot of people have soured on Kevin, too, because Larry Nance Jr. Um, played well in the absence of Kevin and, and Torian Prince is here and he can play minutes at the four. 
Um, I think we see on the nights that the Cavs struggle offensively, mm-hmm. I think we see the kind of impact that Kevin Love could have taking pressure off of Darius, taking pressure off of Colin, um, providing more floor spacing. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. has improved his outside shot. Torian Prince is a very good outside shooter. Um, but Kevin just brings a different kind of element to them, both offensively and defensively, because he's an elite rebounder. So some of the things that the Cavs have been missing early on this season, Hayden, um, they're not shooting a lot of threes. I think they're 29th in the NBA still in three-pointers made per game. They're 29th in the NBA in three-pointers attempted per game. Uh, Kevin helps that. I think they were 27th or something along those lines going into last night's game against Minnesota in defensive rebound percentage. Kevin helps that as well. So the nights that the Cavs struggle, it's it, it, it makes you start to think about, okay, like how much better would they be um, at both ends of the floor um, because of the defensive rebounding if Kevin was here. And sometimes you feel his impact, you see his impact when he's not out there. And, and when he is out there, sometimes I feel like people take it for granted. Yeah, sir. I mean, you know, I think that's part of the problem is that we just haven't seen a lot of him. But when he, you know, when he, I mean, when he's a, when he's in the game and he's effective, I mean, he's effective. He's he's. I remember you saying last year. I think it was last year. It might have been the year before. You said, you know, I, I was remember we were talking at, at practice one day, and he was just you were just saying like, you know, people just forget like if they were at practice and watching these guys yeah. shoot. Yeah. You know, it's just like everybody like Kevin is on just on a completely different level from everyone yes. else. Like yes. it's it's. He's the guy that makes like he's the only one that makes shots consistently. I mean, I know I know it's practice, but like, you know, it just reminds you that he's on such a different level than these other guys. And sure, he's on the wrong side of thirty, and sure, he's you know had a lot of injury struggle. But I mean, he's still an elite, or maybe not an elite player, but he's still a very, very, very good player, and probably a guy that would instantly become the Cavaliers' most talented player. You know, in terms of just what he's done in his career and where he is. I agree. I feel like if we did a blind resume type comparison um, and took out his contract. And and you can't do this. I get it. Part of it in the NBA is value, value related to contract, value related to availability, value related to age, things along those lines. That ties into it. There's no doubt about it, as you said. Um, But if we did a blind resume test, uh, a lot lot more people, I think, would understand the kind of impact, the kind of positive impact that he can continue to have on this organization, even with Larry Nance Jr. looking primed to step into a bigger role and looking more comfortable stepping into that bigger role. And even with some of the limitations that Kevin has as an individual defender, not necessarily as a team defender, right? Not necessarily as a guy who finishes defensive possessions with his rebounding. I think those things have to be accounted for. But as an individual defender, even with some of those limitations, um, I think people would see in a blind resume that that he still is one of their most important players. Certainly is. Certainly, certainly, certainly. I mean, he's a five-time All-Star. Yep. He's an NBA champion. Um, he's an Olympic gold medalist. I've yep. said this before, Hayden. There are levels to good in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and Kevin has taken himself by the things that he's accomplished throughout the course of his career to a different level than some of these other guys. And Larry Nance Jr. is very good, and he is very important to the Cavs. He's not on Kevin Love's level. That's just the truth. No. Absolutely factual. 
absolutely factual. I want. Oh, you mentioned All Star. Do we want to get into that conversation yet? Sure. Or do we, do we want- yeah, we can. I mean, they've right. started the campaign already. All right, we can get into that. So, the Cavaliers right now, the All Star, the All Star voting is going on. I think today is today one of those days where votes count double on Twitter or something. Yeah, today's a double day. Okay, so it's a double day. So, we're you know we're not in the business of. Uh, of promoting guys, but apparently you can go vote for your favorite all-star and our favorite player and hashtag, you know, vote whatever player you want. And it'll be double on Twitter, but the Cavaliers, I think you have a case for a couple guys. I do. I absolutely do. Obviously Colin Sexton, I think has a great case. Um, and maybe even Andre Drummond right now with a case. Um, would you say anybody else has a case or is it pretty much a two man race at this point for the Cavaliers? I don't think anybody else has a case. I think it's too crowded in the front yeah. court for sure. somebody like Larry Nance Jr. Um, because the things that he does so well, Hayden, yeah. they don't usually get all-star recognition. Right. Unfortunately, I would say that, not unfortunately, but I would probably say Jared Allen might have a better case than Larry. Right. But it's very, very difficult to see him getting in Yes. Over some of these starting caliber bigs. Agreed. That have numbers that that basically outweigh the little things that Jared Allen does that impact winning. Completely agree. And Andre Drummond being one of them. Yeah. I mean, Jared Allen even said it last night in his postgame. He was like, look, guys, Andre Drummond is putting up the kinds of the numbers that I put up tonight against the Timberwolves are the numbers that Andre puts up on a nightly basis. Yep. Jared Allen made that known. Um, I mean, he's not going to put up the same kinds of numbers as Joel Embiid. He's no. just not. He's not going to put up the same kinds of numbers as Sabonis in Indy. He's probably not even going to put up the same kinds of numbers as Clint Capella in Atlanta. Um, and oftentimes, uh, these things do turn into a numbers game, more so than how do you impact winning. Uh, yep. Winning plays into it, right? But, like, the, the little things that Jared Allen does to impact winning is what I'm saying. Uh, don't always capture the same kind of attention and don't always get the same kind of recognition. No. But with that said, we're looking at Colin Sexton and Andre Drummond. I mean, both those guys, you know, certainly, if not, you know, locks, which I don't think either of them there are, I think each, each of them has a case. And I would argue that Colin Sexton has a better case than Andre Drummond. Okay. Um, that right now, at least, thus far. Uh, this okay, make that argument. Colin Sexton, uh, 24, 20, as, if, as you mentioned, a number game. Um, 24.1 points per game, shooting 49.8% from the field, uh, shooting 43.5% from three-point range, uh, four assists a game as well. And then uh, I don't have Andre's numbers in front of me right now. But I think, you know, when you look at Colin Sexton, I mean, you got to, that, that's definitely, definitely has an argument, especially for the improvements that he's made. I agree. There's going to be an argument. I have a vote. I started to do my ballot initially because I wanted to get a general sense of where I was landing. I couldn't fit Colin. I couldn't couldn't pick Colin. Okay. I, I couldn't fit him. There are too many backcourt players. Yeah, that's no, that's ain't that the truth. <laughs> Bradley Beal. Yep. Um, Jalen Brown is not listed in the front court for Boston. That's a very important distinction. Yeah. He is listed as a backcourt guard. 
So Jalen Brown, Bradley Beal, um, Zach Levine, yep, uh, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Trey Young, <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. Yep. There are a lot of guys that you're going to have to sift through, and I just think it's going to be tough for somebody like Colin. He belongs in the conversation. He deserves uh, recognition and consideration. I just don't think I can put him in over some of these other guys that I mentioned. I can't make him a starter over Jalen Brown and James Harden. I can't make him a starter over Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving if I want to go that direction instead of Harden. Or or Bradley Beal. I mean, Bradley Beal leads the NBA in scoring, and it's not like it's close. No. Yeah, he plays for Washington, and Washington sucks. But... 34.9 points per game compared to the second guy at 30.9 is pretty significant. And and it's not his fault necessarily that Washington sucks and couldn't assemble a quality enough roster. (laughs) I love your, I love your emphasis on sucks. Oh, they're so bad. Have you watched them? Oh my God. They're not good. No, I know they're not. And good. I know they beat Brooklyn over the weekend, but oh, they are they are Cavs level bad. A couple years ago, plus plus though, like Cavs level bad, which was historically bad, and they're even worse than that. So Cavs level bad plus. Think about it's it. bad. It's they're bottom line bad. Up 122 points per game. It's bad. It's really, really, really bad. Unbelievable. That said, that said, Bradley Beal will certainly be an all-star. And you mentioned a lot of things. I mean, again. I don't know about certainly, by the way. I don't know about certainly. I don't know about certainly. I know there are people that vote that that are going to hold it against him that Washington is 4-12. and Chris, Bradley Beal is going to be an all-star. All right. A lot of people said that last year, and he didn't make it. Come on. If that okay, we we will. All right, if Bradley Beal is not an All Star, I will I will put up some sort of bet that that will make me look ridiculous because that is, if he's not an All Star, that is as ridiculous as anything I've ever heard in my life. I mean, if it wasn't for him, could you imagine how horrible they would be? I mean, you remember. All right, I I agree with you, and I know you do. But in my just, initial run through, in my initial run through, he was there. Um, but I know people are going to hold it against him, even though they shouldn't, that Washington is so crappy. Oh, man, that that would be a snub of all snubs if he wasn't an all-star. <laughs> the leading scorer in the NBA by four at, points per game. Yeah, missed at nearly all-star. 35 points a game. Yeah, yeah no. It's not, like he's it's not like he's leading the league at 21 points a game. He's averaging 35. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Well, anyways, all right, fine. So Bradley Beal, but then a lot of names you mentioned. Um, you know, obviously James Harden came in from the right. West. So that definitely right. plays into it. Um, Kyrie Irving plays into it. Um, even guys like Gordon Hayward play into it. I mean, some of the other guys, Jalen Brown, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I'm looking here. They mentioned Trey Young. They mentioned Zach, Zach Levine. Levine. And then you have your other guys, Bam Adebayo. You have you know Julius Randle, Sabonis, uh, Joel Embiid, obviously Kevin Durant, Giannis, and yep. It's just there's a lot of guys, and you're right. I just don't know if Cleveland and and what Colin Sexton has done this year warrants enough to get him in above these guys. 
That's it's not the so thing. much that he's not deserving. Exactly. It's right. just that it's just that it's just there are so many guys that are right. deserving, and it's like, ugh, he's just not quite there yet. Correct. That's why I think these conversations are so nuanced, Tayton. Yeah. And that's why I think any kind of conversation that you have about All Star, you have to say, okay, fine. You think the guy belongs in, then you tell me who you take out. Right. Because yep. you can only bring twelve. There's only twelve. Yep. And you know, not all of them are going to be backcourt players. And just like for Drummond, not all of them are going to be frontcourt players. It's going to be I, a mix. I think Drummond has a hard road too. When you look at, I mean, when you oh, look God, at, yes. jo, when you look at Joel Embiid, you look at Sabonis, you look at yep. Julius Randle, you look at Vucevic, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's a front court player on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, Giannis is a front court player on the ballot. Yep. Jason Tatum's a front court player on the ballot. So that's Middleton. the thing. And any kind of conversation is great. So you think Collins should be in? Sure. You can certainly make that argument. You think Drummond should be in? You can certainly make that argument. But you tell me then who you're leaving off that team in order to put one of those two guys on there. So what we're saying in in as many words is that I would call it very unlikely that the Cleveland Cavaliers have an all-star this year. Let's say they take five backcourt players. Mm-hmm. Okay. You say Beal's in, in, in your ballot, Beal's in. <laughs> Absolutely. <he's in. laughs> all right. All right. Then I would assume in your ballot, Jalen Brown is in. Yes. Is Kyrie in? Yes. Okay. So there's three. Right there. Um, James Harden? Yes. Okay, there's four. So now it comes down to Trey Young, uh, Zach Levine, Malcolm Brogdon, Colin Sexton. I'm sure I left somebody out, and somebody's listening to this podcast. I think he's a front court player. Okay. I'm not 100% sure on that one, though. Okay. He could be a backcourt. He might even be both. Who knows? Who knows which one he's eligible at? Um, so that's where you are. And that, all of a sudden, the numbers crunch um, is really, really alarming when trying to say Colin definitely belongs in. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, you know, he definitely deserves he de- he deserves recognition, but I don't think, I just don't think when there's 12 guys, I don't think that he's there yet. That's just... And that's... And that's if they take five guards. Who knows how it's going to be set up. Right. And then Andre Drummond's road is even, I think, even tougher, you know, just because, you know, Giannis. So Giannis would be front court. Kevin Durant is front court. Joel Joel Embiid, front court. Sabonis, front court. Randall, front court. Uh, Adebayo, front court. Middleton? Middleton's front court. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just I don't I just don't know. He's not even listed on this list that I'm looking at right now. So which list are you looking at? I'm looking at NBA.com. Uh, Sean Powell wrote something recently, but okay. I mean there are a lot of lists. Certainly. Oh God, yes. But that was just the the one that I saw. There's a couple more here. I mean, I was some, looking... some even mentioned Victor Oladipo. Oh, maybe this was the beginning before the season. St- yeah, it's before the season one. Victor Oladipo is now in the West, though. Yeah. I've been. I I just saw that one. It was, um, before, I think that was a pre before the season. Yeah. So I was looking at one. I was looking at one from the Athletic from okay. today. Actually, today, 
And they have East backcourt starters, Harden Brown, if we're just talking in, in terms of Colin Sexton. And he's not listed in East reserves either. Um, I didn't expect that. He's not listed in East next to last man in. And he's not listed in East's last man in. He's not listed in East's first two out. And he's, not, and he's not listed in East's next three out. Eek. Because Drew Holiday, and then and then he's not listed in East honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are at them. least there are at least twenty players mentioned in this article for All Stars, and Colin's not one of them in the East. <laughs> it's not great, Bob. <laughs> and it's not a knock against the writer, and it's not a knock against no. Colin. It's just no. really, really difficult yeah. to make the all-star team because it's such an exclusive club. I just, saw, I, I just saw one that mentioned LaMelo Ball before Colin Sexton. I mean, there's one that mentions Drew Holiday instead of Colin Sexton. Yeah. How much of that do you think uh, – I mean, you know – I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh, you know, Cleveland. But like, do you think a lot of some of that is just, you know, Lamelo Ball being mentioned? I, you know, I admittedly he's been good, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's crazy. You know, is that just because he's Lamelo Ball and Colin Sexton plays in Cleveland, but he plays in Charlotte? I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know who wrote that, so I don't want to start criticizing. I, I, I but just, uh, but that's bad. I, that's a bad argument to make. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, unfortunately, I think the Cavaliers are going to go another year without any All-Stars. Uh, maybe they'll get, you know, maybe, I don't know, the skills competition. I just saw the report today that they're consider- they're leading towards having an All-Star game. I don't know if that means mm-hmm. they'll have, like, um, they'll have any of the All-Star weekend stuff, but you never know. Yeah, I don't know. They still have to work all that kind of stuff out. Yeah. It seems like they're pushing for both. Yeah. It's just, can you do it safely? Uh, does it make sense in this kind of climate to do it? Pros and cons, weigh all those things. Mm-hmm. The one thing that you know about the NBA and Commissioner Adam Silver, he doesn't really make hasty decisions. No. He thinks through did. these things, he weighs everything, and then he determines what, what he thinks is best. And it doesn't mean that he's always right, um, but he takes everything into account before making that decision. I All can't right. believe somebody is really pushing LaMelo as an all-star. That's so stupid. <laughs> well, I don't think they're pushing. I think it was more just... I, I, listing him. Listing him as honorable mention or somebody with consideration is stupid. Yeah. Well, What's wrong with people? It happened, and I mentioned it, so it's my fault. <laughs> before, we, before we get going, though, um, I do want to mention this. Because you wanted, we I wanted to. We can talk about this, like you know, just to end the podcast today. You wanted to talk a little bit about what the Cavaliers, what they need going forward, what they're missing out on, um, which I think is a good thing to talk about. Because again, you know, we yes, we judge teams based on wins and losses, but the Cavaliers are a little different. You know, I don't. I think that this season has been largely a success, mm-hmm. even at ten and eleven, um, just because we didn't expect them to be kind of coming out of the gate this way and. You know, there's such a short off season, such a, you know, a crazy off season, everything, you know, with this young team. Um, so in your mind, what is it that the Cavaliers need right now to maybe continue to to, to be in the thick of this thing or to even take that next step? 
Well, the defense can't continue to slip. Yeah. That's for sure. That's supposed to be or that given let's phrase it this way. Given the struggles that they have on offense, defense has to be the backbone. And there's been some slippage on that in the floor. I think part of that is just natural regression. I think the other part of that is um, they were probably playing above their heads early on in the season. So yeah. there's no doubt that that needs to improve. I think they need more shooting. Um Darius Garland, Colin Sexton have been really good from three-point range. I believe in Dylan Windler's ability to shoot. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Love coming back is going to help that. Um, but I don't know that they have enough shooters. And I think that's something that they should really try and focus on. Uh, guys that can have that reputation, that can spread the floor more. Um, part of it is a stylistic choice. J.B. Bickerstaff believes in dominating in the paint, uh, whether that's Andre Drummond, whether that's Jared Allen, or whether that's his guards getting into the teeth of the defense, into the paint, looking for kickouts or finishes around the rim. So some of that is um, something that, that JB wants from a, a stylistic standpoint. And the other thing, they, they need somebody else to run the team. Um, you mean like a point guard? They have no backup point guard. They haven't yeah. had a backup point guard all year in right. And Colin Sexton has been really good this year, and he's made some great strides at both ends of the court. But the the team functions differently and looks differently when Darius Garland is on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You can tell him being a true natural point guard what that does for the Cavs' offense versus when Colin Sexton has to run the team or Damian Dotson has to run the team. Neither guy's a natural point guard. Um, and and the offense functions in a different kind of way as a result of that. And it's no offense to Colin. It's no offense to Damian. That's not who they are. So right. I just believe more in, in allowing these guys to be who they are um, and putting them in positions to continuously succeed. And I think the more and more the Cavs are asking Colin to be a de facto point guard because they don't have a backup point guard. One with size, too, would be nice. Um, I just put, I, I think it puts him in a tough spot. And I think it opens Colin up for criticism and it opens the Cavs up for criticism. And the offense just looks different. Well, part of the problem, too, and, and again, I just I hope for the best. Um, Delhi has continued to be out. He's been out for over a month. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure they weren't counting on a ton from him, but they were counting on enough to where, you know, he would have been a nice piece to have as, as a point guard. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think we saw at the end of last season, Hayden, at times when Darius Garland was um, on the sidelines with injury or just when the Cavs felt like Delhi helped them offensively, I think you saw the kind of impact that that kind of guy can have for the second unit. Yeah. And it's tricky with Delhi. It's a concussion. It's a brain injury. These things don't have timelines like ankles and knees and wrists and things along those lines. There's a specific protocol in place for Delhi. It's the second concussion that he's had in the last calendar year. He's had a bunch of other ones throughout the course of his career and his life. And when you have a longer history with this kind of injury, it's going to take you longer to recover. Sidney Crosby missed a year 
of hockey a year and there were times when it seemed like he was coming back and he was making progress and then the more he tried to ramp up and have physical exertion he took steps back and he his body and his brain didn't recover the way that um made him feel like he could get out there and play again al horford missed a whole bunch of games um in one stretch because of his history of concussions I was once told that they're like snowflakes. Some are big, some are small, some linger, some dissipate quickly. You just don't know. There are too many factors involved to really put a specific timeline on it. And for all the people that are out there saying, I've never seen a guy miss so much time with a concussion, um, it's all about the individual. And Larry Nance Jr. was able to recover quicker than Delhi. They happened the same night. But because of Larry's body, because of his history with a concussion, he was able to recover at a different rate. But that doesn't mean it's the norm. And it doesn't mean it's the same for everybody. Um, The kind of hit that you take, where it occurs, there are just so many factors involved that that have made it and will continue to make it really, really difficult for the Cavs to know specifically when they're going to get Delhi back and if they're going to get Delhi back. Yeah, it's a tough, tough, tough situation. I know, you know, Delhi definitely a fan favorite and obviously the organization really appreciates him. So I'm I'm sure that we're all we're all pulling for him to get back soon. You never want to see something like this happen with with anyone. You know, we want him to be as healthy as he can be. I know he has a baby too. Um so certainly want him to be healthy for his family and for his, you know, for his son and for the entire Cavs organization. So hopefully he'll get back soon. Um, with you know, with the other injuries, I think Larry. I think Larry Nance is day to day. I mean, I, are you thinking? I'm. I don't know. He. I'm assuming he could have a shot to play tomorrow night. And then Andre Drummond with the so, sore lower back. Could that have just been a usage thing on a back to back? I think so. Yeah. I think something um, similar when it comes to Larry Nance Jr. too. Yeah. It was the second game of a back to back. It was clearly bothering him on the weekend trip against uh, both New York and against Minnesota. Um, He wants to play. He's going to do everything that he can to play. He's fighting through pain. It's clearly bothering him. Um, So I think the Cavs wanted to give it an extra day, see how it recovers after that. It's a sprained wrist, man. It's not going to be easy to play through. No, definitely not. But other than that, I mean, you know, it seems that the Cavaliers for the first time, you know. Getting there. Getting there. And again, we'll see what happens with Kevin Love in the near future. Um, you know, you said and mentioned that maybe this week we get a little update. Hopefully that will be the case. And hopefully it's a positive one for the Cavaliers. You know, they've been waiting for him for a long time. Um, otherwise, Chris, uh, any any uh, any comments from you before we uh, close the door on this podcast? No, man. I think that's it. Yeah, we went through a lot, which is good. We needed to, um, you know, especially given everything. Oh, I guess I guess I, <laughs> I guess we never really got to discuss the LeBron game. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. We didn't. We never. We didn't. Um, we could talk about that for a second. I think that's worth definitely worth a mention. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, for Cavs fans, it definitely. I, I seem to believe that a lot of fans obviously have now, um, you know are now still on team LeBron. And I think as, as you know, as unfortunate it was for the, to see the Cavs lose that game for, if you're a Cavs fan, um, just to, to watch LeBron continue at the age that he is just continue to dominate. I mean, it was fascinating for me to watch for sure. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, I know how the guy keeps doing it, 
But at the same time, I'm sitting here saying, how does he keep doing this? Yeah, He's defying everything that we thought we knew about the NBA and what we thought we knew about the human body. Yeah. And there was a point, I don't, was it a couple of years ago? I think it was a couple of years ago, Hayden, when people were like, oh, you know, he's starting to lose a step. He doesn't have the same lift it was on his the dunks. First- it was his first, in my in my estimation, and I could be it, it. I remember that conversation happening in his first year back in Cleveland when he had the back issue. Right but after that hiatus that he took, and he you know got himself right, and after that, I, it, I think it was right back to being as athletic as he I could ever remember him being. It's unbelievable, and the other thing is he's turned into a three point sniper. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to him for continuing to allow his game to evolve, uh, evolve, continuing to focus on the things that that he felt he needed to to extend his career once he lost a little bit of that burst, he lost a little bit of that athleticism, although I don't know that I fully buy that. Um, his game is different. Yeah. The way that he attacks defenses continues to evolve, and it's different. And it's funny because... Lakers head coach Frank Vogel was talking after that game that night. And he was asked about LeBron's turnaround from three. LeBron shot 34% from three last year with the Lakers. The year before that, he shot 33.9% with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. This year, he's shooting 41%. So Vogel was asked about that. And he's like, I'm a defensive-minded coach. I have no idea how I'd defend this guy. (laughs) You don't. <laughs> what do you do now? You hope. You hope. You know. When when he's knocking down outside shots at that kind of rate, what do you do? The no. whole thing was turn him into a jump shooter. For so when long, I, it was turn him into a jump shooter. Go under screens. Uh, let him score as much as possible, but don't let him be a triple-double threat. I don't know what to do at this point. No. And you watched the you watched him against Cleveland. I mean, he, he you know it started in that fourth quarter, and we oh, we can God. talk we can talk a little about 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 that incident. Um, but I mean, he hit the shot from the the logo. Then he yeah. then he hit the dagger with a turnaway turnaround fadeaway you know jumper over Jared Allen, and I think it was might have been Colin even. Um, I mean, just an incredible. Just like it's it's unfathomable. I mean, there's there's Horrible, really nothing actually. they could do. I mean, JB, I, I think I remember JB like walking off the court just being like, you know what? I mean, that's about, yeah. you know, we played our butts off, but there's not much you can do about uh, 23 on the other side. Um, it was hilarious because so many people were crediting Isaac Okoro for great defense and being there and making things tough on LeBron. And he deserved credit because he sure. was making things tough on LeBron. It just yeah. didn't matter. No. He was hitting everything. No, it didn't. It Some didn't. really, really tough shots. He was drilling right in the face of Isaac Coro, right in the face of Andre Drummond, right in the face of the Cavs executive row. <laughs> That's what I wanted to bring up. What did you? What were your thoughts on that? It's stupid to me. So, all right, there are two things here. Um, there were members of the executive row. That, that did feel like said person got a little bit out of control and has yeah. a tendency to really get engaged in games. Yeah. But, okay, so at the same time, this is basketball. Yeah. Hayden, it's competition. Yeah. 
there are exciting things that happen. There are disappointing things that happen. Yeah. And these are human beings watching a basketball game from courtside right. that are employed by the Cleveland Cavaliers that are rooting for the Cleveland Cavaliers that want them to do well. I know the whole thing is don't tug on Superman's cape, don't poke the bear, whatever cliche you want to use. And yes, the Cavs should know that better than anybody. But I, I, I don't know when we got into this mode of people employed by the team can't cheer for the team that they're employed by. I agree. I agree. You should be able to cheer. And I'm not saying that he was he was wrong. I just agree that that with with the other, you know, some members of the front office that maybe just a little excessive. Just yeah. just just maybe a tad tone past it down the line. a smidge. Yes. Just I agree a, with that. Just a tad past the line. Like I didn't notice it until I mean obviously I didn't I saw the the video that went around the internet. Yeah. And that's kind of when cuz before I was like all right, I mean, you know, whatever, maybe it was just LeBron because LeBron can make anything out of anything. Trust me. Oh I mean, god, yeah. It doesn't we take saw a courtside, lot. We saw courtside Karen last night. I mean, you know. Yeah. We uh there's he can make anything out of anything. And I thought, all right, maybe it's just LeBron being LeBron. But when I saw the when I saw the footage, I was like, okay. I mean, I get it. I get it now a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, just I'm not saying he needs to be fired. I'm not saying that he needs to be reprimanded. It's just Okay, I get what it, why it happened, and I get that maybe he went a little overboard, and that's that. You know, it, it is what it is. But absolutely, he should be rooting for his team. You know, it's. I think the problem was maybe that he wasn't rooting for his team as much as he was like, <laughs> you know, maybe just. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. I'm not trying to sit here and say he's not good at his job or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, in that moment, we all have moments where we've probably done things that maybe not regret but just like okay maybe i shouldn't have done that he's also uh, very close to lebron um the yeah. person is jason hillman he was outed yeah. by espn's dave McMenamin. he's also very close to lebron when lebron came back his first game back in cleveland uh with the los angeles lakers uh, jason hillman went into the lakers locker room he greeted lebron they had a warm embrace um there was some friendly banter back and forth a bit of trash talk back and forth because it's the spirit of competition. I got the sense that that's kind of the relationship that they have yeah. um, in saying that. Yes. I mean, clapping fine, cheering for your team, fine, standing up and like going a little bit overboard and like making sure that LeBron heard you clapping, maybe just, a notch or two too far at that point in time. Honestly, honestly, and yes, I I completely agree. You know, it, they have. I'm not saying anything about the relationship. I just think you know, it was just kind of funny to me the whole thing. But the whole thing for me was that if he was pointing his if he was pointing his head the direction of Isaac Coral and clapping like that, like good right. stop, yeah, completely different. Yeah, I agree. completely different. So um, it was just I thought it was comical. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's it's, it's kind of innocuous. LeBron could do that with or without that clap. You know, it was just yeah. kind of funny. But um, but I just thought it was worth mentioning because it was kind of a, a something that we'll remember just because that game, I, that whole game. Well, I'll remember, you know, in regards to regular season Cavs games, that's one of the more memorable ones um, just along the lines of the Colin Sexton one we've had this year. So 
I mean, uh, LeBron scored, what, 17 in the first quarter and missed one shot in the first quarter, something yep. like that? Yep. And it wasn't fueled by a Cavs executive clapping. In oh, goodness direction. no. Goodness no. He was on all night. He was yeah. on all night for sure. It, and it was, was, it was yeah. clear. So the night before that or something like that, they played Chicago, and it yeah. was Anthony Davis's hometown, and it was Anthony Davis' night, and LeBron took a step back, and he let AD score close to 40 points. You knew after that was happening, you knew the approach that LeBron was going to take coming back to Cleveland for the first time in about two years. That was yeah. not going to be Alex Caruso night. That was not going to be Contavious Caldwell-Pope night. That was not going to be AD night. That was going to be LeBron night. Yep. Always. Yep. I wonder if he, well, he said he said he said he got his mom's cooking. I wonder if he got any Swenson's, but. I don't know. I wasn't in the but locker was... room to find out, unfortunately. The first oh, yeah. time he was here yes. as a Laker, he had yes. Swenson's. His Remember banana all... milkshake. His banana milkshake. Remember that very well. All right, Chris. Well, I did want to talk about that just because I thought it was uh, worth mentioning as a, right. uh, you know, but otherwise, uh, I was, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers, they don't really have too much in the way to do with the Cavaliers. But certainly that game was exciting um, for both teams because the Cavaliers certainly kept themselves in that game. And LeBron ended up uh, showing why he's the greatest player in the world. So yeah. for that, I think that'll do it. Chris, anything else? OK, no, I'm done, bud. I was All done right. ten minutes I'll just, ago. <laughs> I'll just keep talking. I'll just keep talking. Then. So you can leave, and I'll just keep keep. No, we'll talk about courtside Karen. We'll talk about this. Oh no. no, no, we're done. We're done. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, for listening to the Winding Gold Talk podcast. If you haven't already, go check out Chris's subtext again, $3.99 a month. He will give you all the insider analysis and information that he hears on a daily basis. You can start that up on a 14-day free trial today. So go you all you have to do is go to the uh, the page that this podcast is posted on on cleveland.com slash calves and uh, you will be able to put in your number. So do that as soon as you can for, again, all of the Cavalier information that you want. So you don't have to go on Twitter and read about buyouts from Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Take care.